0: Welcome back to the Real Life Theology Podcast by Renew.org. This is Jason. At Renew.org, we want to be about more than just celebrating good theology. We want to be practitioners of where that theology points us. We believe good biblical theology points us towards making disciples that make disciples. One of the most powerful tools to that end is planting churches. We're going to hear today from Brett Andrews who's no stranger to planting churches. Brett is not only a founder of Renew.org, one of our board members, but also the founding pastor of New Life Christian Church. And through New Life, Brett has been a part of starting a national ministry called Passion for Planting. Passion for Planting has been a part of planting over 300 churches. Brett's also helping Renew.org start something we're calling Renew Movement, a movement of churches that plant churches that make disciples who make disciples that plant churches. If you have any interest at all in this powerful tool for making disciples, have a listen to what Brett Andrews has to say.
1: My name's David Sanders. I'm uh, one of the pastor elders over at Harpeth Christian Church over in franklin tennessee and uh... i was involved with along with my wife and bobby and cindy harrington in helping start that church over there and uh... we've been very excited about renew and everything that's going on here with um, with the church planning movements and the uh... the idea that uh... renew is such a vital p- p- part of this now you know there's a saying that says what you believe doesn't define you, but what you do defines you. And with that, I want to introduce Brett Andrews this morning, but the reason I'm, I say that is because he's a doer. He's a, he's a person that's, uh, that in 1993 helped start a church up in Virginia, a suburb of Washington. And, and with that, um, since then, They've grown to a multi-site uh, facilities. They've planted over 300 and helped uh, support over 300 churches. They've, done, uh, they've been involved with um, church planting and, and, and in doing that, they've helped support other churches in assessment, training, project management, and coaching. Countless in numbers of churches. They've started a new, an end zone facility in, uh, in the area that's, that's reaching over four hundred thousand people in the Washington area and loving on them well. Even, and, and the point of that was helping love them well when they didn't even know they were being loved well to bring them to Christ. Probably one of Brett's uh, greatest joys is of course his wife Laura of over 29 years, his four children. And with that said And since we're running a little behind, I have nothing else to say, but I want you all to give a warm welcome to Brett Andrews, who's a champion for the Lord. That's very
2: nice, nice. thanks. Yeah, let's begin with a prayer. Almighty God, we believe that you are uh, the creator who has placed us In this time for your reasons we thank you that you um, know in advance the work that you have for us I know that this room is filled with people who have a burden for lost people we have a burden for the lostness that we see in the world around us in our day We have a sense of responsibility to be good stewards of your gifts and opportunities that when we stand before you one day we will hear you say well done good and faithful servant knowing that we've done our best to that end lord i pray that you would guide this conversation that um you would your holy spirit would speak beyond my words that you would give vision and clarity through christ we pray Amen. 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 Before, welcome, before we, before I start, um, it's always helpful to have a little bit of a sense of idea of who is in the group and why. So I want to talk about church planting as part of a renewed movement of church plants. Um, Let me ask, how many of you have actually started a church? You have been a part of a church plants, and you've been, wow, okay, that's really good. Um, some of what I have to say is just going to be, I hope, encouraging for you all as you review. How many of you um, are part of a, a church that has planted in the last five years? And you've planted, or whatever, yeah, okay, good. How many of you are part of churches that have never started a church a, in the United States? Okay. All right, that's helpful. How many of you um, really wish that you could go to Jim Hutman's workshop? <laughs> and
0: <come up> <laughs> anyway,
2: um, I want to thank you for those kind words. Um, uh, anyway, so the my dad, I grew up in small-town, rural Pennsylvania, around a lot of farmers. Um, every year, Crawford County boasted the largest agricultural fair in all of Pennsylvania Uh, my dad who grew up as a farmer used to have a saying I don't know if you all are familiar with this down here about um, about apple pie apple pie without cheese have y'all heard this one no okay welcome to Pennsylvania apple pie without cheese my dad has said a million times is like a kiss without a squeeze renew is about disciples making disciples making disciples based on the teaching the theology of King Jesus I believe that if renew is going to achieve her redemptive capacity if we're going to be faithful in making disciples to make disciples based on the teaching of Jesus we will be starting churches that starting churches that if we don't start churches that start churches, it's like a kiss without a squeeze. We're, we're not being fulfilled. You cannot start church. You cannot make disciples who make disciples without ultimately starting churches that start churches. Now, I don't probably want to go into great detail to remind us of the dangerous situation that we find ourselves in in our nation right now. Bobby had a great line. Um, I wish I could remember what it was from this last, but we live in a cultural moment of dangerous times. You know, in Chinese, the symbol for crisis, by the way, sometimes people say it means danger and opportunity. I wrote a friend of mine who's Chinese and said, is that true? He says, well, it actually means a turning opportunity. It is a dangerous time, a crisis, but if used well, it is a turning opportunity for good. God can use it for good. We live in a generation of a turning opportunity. It's a dangerous time. Without the power of God, without the blessing of God, things are going to just keep going south. But could it be that God has placed us in this generation because it's a turning opportunity to lead a generation to repentance to Him? Every One of the things I remember learning in college that left a great impression on me, every great spiritual revival has been led by a new understanding of God or a new application of God's wisdom. Josiah was king, remember, and they clean out the temple and then all of a sudden they find the book of Deuteronomy and it leads to this great revival. The world that Jesus comes into is filled with darkness, spiritually filled with darkness. But Galatians 4.4, Galatians 4, when the time had fully come, God sent his son into the world. The word becomes flesh and there is a revival, a spiritual revival. The world is never the same after that. You think of, 1300 years, 1400 years later, spiritual darkness has again again begun to cover the world. And then you have people like Tyndale come along or John Hus who begin to teach the Bible and give it a fresh, um, giving the Bible a new fresh teaching to more people. And then you have Luther who comes along with this fresh understanding that salvation is by grace through faith and you have the great reformation a great revival out of that fresh understanding of an old truth and then you have the 18th century where these people on the frontier these christians on the frontier are realizing um, division is the division breaks god's heart And they have a fresh understanding of Jesus' prayer. May they be one as you are me and I am and you so the world may know that you sent me. And so there is this fresh application of unity based on scripture, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth for the purpose of evangelism. And that new vision for unity, which is an old truth from Jesus, leads to the restoration what we call the restoration movement that spread like wildfire across the frontier what is it what is the new what is the old truth that needs to be applied in this generation that may help lead to revival could it be that it's a new vision for starting churches that start churches for disciples who make disciples that start churches that start churches. I want to talk about church planting from three different levels. First of all, why church planting generally? Why renew church planting? And then how renew church planting? And then we're, for all who want to follow up, um, when we get our lunches, we can grab our lunches, and we're going to meet over by the Passion for Planting booth. And we're, we're going to continue the conversation on the specifics of what renewed Church Planting movements look like. Um, why church planting? Um, because of obedience. Acts chapter 1, remember when Jesus sent the disciples, he said, you will be my disciples in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uttermost parts of the world. The church of the book of Acts is a church planting church. The journeys of the apostle Paul are church planting journeys. The letters of the apostle Paul are letters to new churches. You can't read the New Testament. You can't read early church history without understanding they were disciples, making disciples, starting churches, starting churches from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the other uttermost parts of the, of the world. Matthew 28, when Jesus gives a great commission, go into all the world make disciples of all nations. You can't go and make disciples of all nations without starting new churches wherever you go. It would be, I'm, I'm going to preach here a little bit. Preach. It would be scandalous in your church if you didn't have a missions budget. The New Testament church was a church planting church. How many churches don't have, don't give much money or a dime at all to church planting? Um, I was taught, I grew up Christian church, Book of Acts church. We were taught, if we will do what they did, we will be what they were. If we're gonna do what they did, we're gonna be church planting churches. Why do we need to be committed to church planting? The first reason is, Obedience. Second reason that I would uh, um, that I would that I would then add is uh, because we love lost people. Um, Jesus wept over Jerusalem because of lost people. Peter Wagner made the statement years ago: planting new churches. If I could tell you. I'm going to give you the most effective means of reaching lost people. We want to make a difference in our generation. You know, if I can backtrack, um, you know that we are the one of the top lost nations in the world right now. Yep. That every succeeding generation has had less faith in Christ. That Gen Xers have a lower level of faith. There are fewer Gen Xers that have a commitment to Christ than any generation before. Um, what What if I were to tell you I have a key for us making a difference with evangelism? Peter Wagner years ago said planting new churches is the most effective evangelistic methodology known under heaven. Dozens of studies have confirmed the average new church gains most of its members from 60 to 80 percent from lost and unchurched people. By contrast, churches that are 15 years or older gain most people 80 to 90% through transfer growth. If we care about lost people, then we're gonna be committed to starting new churches There's something about new churches that helps reach lost people. I was thinking about this the other day, just to give you a quick list. I think part of it is just being part of something new, and it starts conversations like, you're starting a church, what's that? Oh, okay, and people like to be a part of something new. But I think it's also, I think substantively, it's the power of prayer. My dad was a farmer. My dad used to say, you know who makes the best farmers? Hungry farmers. (laughs) They're motivated. Uh, You know who makes the best evangelists? Hungry evangelists. And you know who gets hungry? People who are starting church. Who prays most? When you're starting a church, there is a sense of desperation for God's power and provision like you might never ever have. It is like, Lord, we don't have enough money unless you provide the money. Lord, we don't have enough volunteers unless you provide the volunteers. I remember when New Life was first started in the first three months of the church, we averaged 45 people, and half of those people were newcomers every week. And I, would sit, I remember sitting in the car with my wife after services one time and said, you know, if newcomers quit coming, we're just gonna be back to our original core starting group. And so you're praying, Lord, keep sending the newcomers. Keep. How do we reach more lost people for you? There's this sense of desperation that keeps you on your knees because you're hungry for God. Second or Next, there's a clear focus that new churches must have. You know that old saying, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing? When you're starting a church, you have no choice but to focus on reaching lost people. Right? New churches are not encumbered by years of accumulated organizational details and politics and pleasing people. You have to focus on the lost. When new life was started, I remember saying to everybody who came in, we have two kinds of people at this church. We have lost people who are seeking Christ and we have Christians who want to build a church. I would say to people who are coming from other churches or a Christian background, maybe you know there's a lot of transfer from out of town in the Northern Virginia area. I would say if you are looking for a church that has ministries for you and for your children, that has an established women's ministry and student ministry, this is not the church for you. But if you want to be a pillar person, if you want to be a builder of a church that reaches lost people and is going to make a difference for years to come, this is a great church for you. Well, that really focus. You have a core peop, group of people who are focused on. One group of people is just focused on, I need to know Christ and how to. I'm a baby Christian. You need know how to learn how to walk with him. But then you have a group that is an army ready to build. You don't have a whole bunch of people who look around for their own needs to be met. New churches, reach, lost people. I could go on and on about that whole deal, but uh, we'll leave it there. Um, Church planting is also important because it's one of the most effective ways to renew an existing church. One of the resistances that churches will have is, but if we become a church planting church, then what about us? What's the negative effect it will have on us? Again, Peter Wagner has shown that congregations that give birth to new congregations grow twice the rate that churches that don't. Congregations that are church planting churches grow faster than churches that don't. Why? I can give you some practical reasons for that. First, it's because they bring the, the starting the new church brings new ideas to the existing church. Second, I would say they surface creative and creative leaders and strong leaders and innovative leaders. Um, I would also say that um, well, the most important thing I'm trying to I want to leave enough time here so that we can um, have some question and answer later. But I think it's just because of faith. I think the spiritual reason is the parable of the talents. You have three kinds of you have two kinds of people in the parable of the talents and those three. You have two who risk and double and you have one who plays it safe. You have one who lives in fear. Whatever um, whatever's not of faith is sin. The Bible tells us. Jesus gave us that principle that we apply easily to our own lives but sometimes have a hard time applying it to our churches. Whoever seeks to find his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Why is it that existing churches die? Could it be because we get so wrapped up in perpetuating the machine in, in um in trying to seek life for ourselves, our ministry, our needs, our people. But it's those who say, like we we said years ago, we want to be a Matthew 25 church, which means those two guys who doubled their talents, I think the assumption there is that they risked their talents and there was a point where they could have lost their talents. And if we're not if we don't have the faith to sometimes step out on faith in God and risk so much that we could lose it all, it's gonna be hard for God to bless us. Um, Being part of a church planting church, I would encourage you all to be a part of this renewed movement of church plants because of the faith act that that is, because it forces us to be open-handed, to say, God, it's not about us. One of the most difficult things about being a church planting church for New Life is being open-handed with your best people. Yeah. You know, we've sent out some really good people who've done, and it's just like when New Life, in fact, it was a critical moment in the history of New Life where we had three people on staff. We had grown um, from, from, I don't know, 150 to about three, 400 people. We had three full-time people on staff. And Vince Antonucci, we brought on staff as our first full-time staff person to start a new church. And Vince comes and says, Brad, I think it's time for me to start a new church. I said, yeah, Vince, I think it is time for you to start. I think it's a good time for you. It's it's the right time. (coughs) Oh, by the way, he said, um, Joe Heilman, by the way, was our worship leader from the very beginning. Incredibly talented worship leader. Um, Went to virginia beach and became like songwriter of the year which if you're from nashville that's like saying i don't know the person from west virginia has a full set of teeth okay that's really <laughs> impressive I guess. but um but vince comes to me and he says and i'm going to take and, and and i've been talking to joe and joe wants to help me start this church in virginia beach um. I should have fired him at that moment so yeah you're co- <laughs> what <laughs> So, here we have Vince and Joe and, this, and Vince is, was, is just amazingly talented. I don't know if you've all heard any of Vince's stuff, but just Vince is hysterical but, um, and brilliant. But, um, but two-thirds of our staff we sent and all the money that we could possibly scrounge up to start this church in Virginia Beach. And I remember talking to Pat Ferguson's mom at that moment saying... Marge, I don't know how a church of 350 loses two-thirds of their staff and the quality staff that Joe and Vince are. And and you don't just completely get devastated with momentum. But the only thing more dangerous than that is disobeying God. And if God says, let him go, you let him go. And so we let him go. And I'm convinced that part of the reason that God's blessed us since then is because we obeyed him in that risk of faith. I think you all need to be a part and your churches need to be a part of church planting because God will honor that faith in your own church as well. Um, do, 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 do. Here's the final thing I want to say about that. Church planting gives us the greatest vision for great impact in our time. There are two visions that churches can have, if I can oversimplify. There are some churches that have the we want to be a big, we want to be a big tree vision. And then there are some churches that say we want to start a big forest vision. The churches that start that have a I, and, and and I'm not saying mega churches are bad, and I would like to be a part of a big tree, but if that's your vision, it's a limited vision. Um, Ying Kai has been a become a good friend. Um, Ying started a church in China and they reached about 200 people over a few years, and he realized with the millions of people who live close to where his church was, with the millions of lost people, reaching 200 people in 10 years is just not gonna cut it. And so Ying developed, um, uh, training for trainers, Um, discipleship revolution, um, Steve Smith wrote with him. Um, and it, it's a discipleship process although it's the spiritual part of it that really matters more than the process Ying would tell you but, um, and they've, they ended up starting over 150,000 churches so many churches they've lost count have reached so many millions of people in China they've lost counts but Ying would tell you at the core of that is they quit counting the saved and started counting the lost. What drives church planting movements and church planting ministries? Are you gonna count the saved? We wanna have a big tree. We're counting how how many people are here on Sunday morning, or are you counting the lost in your county? Are you counting the lost in your community? There are three million people who live in Northern Virginia. I'm sorry. There's, it's been a long time since I have been thankful for Virginia, and please don't shoot me if you're upset, but um, Yunkin, this guy that just got elected governor, <coughs> he, sent, he sent a card out on Easter, wishing everybody a happy Easter. I mean, the guy is bold for Christ, and it's just like, Thank you, Lord. Anyway, I'm smiling. I'm thankful to be in Northern Virginia for the first time yeah. in 20 years. But anyway, um, uh, where was I going? Oh, 3 million people in the, in the, in the, in the Northern Virginia area. If we're going to reach 250,000 people, you think they're all going to come to New Life on Sunday morning? If we're going to be effective in making a difference in our time, we have to elevate our vision from how many people are we going to gather, how many people are we going to collect, to... How can, we, how can we reach this community for Christ as soon as possible because people are dying and going to hell without him? My friend Vince Antonucci, who grew up, you know, his mom was a Jew. His dad was a professional gambler. So he says they never took him to church much. They never took him to church at all. He loves to say, Jesus wept over Jerusalem because Jerusalem was filled with lost people. He asks, when was the last time you wept for lost people? And then he says, we like to think that our hearts are close to the heart of Jesus. Jesus' heart wept for lost people. If our hearts don't weep for the people that Jesus' heart weeps with, maybe our hearts aren't as close to Jesus as we like to think that they are. That, is a really, that really makes me feel uncomfortable, so let's move on. Uh, from that but here here's the here's the whole deal i i say all of the why church plants because we want to make a difference in our generation because we have a vision and a heart for lost people it is driven by lostness get people who are leading disciple making movements and church planting movements. It's not about organization. It's not about how do we do the best church that we can do. It's about a heart for lost people that drives it all. Why church planting with Renew or as part of Renew? Um, Let me state the problem and then I'll give you the solution. So New Life has been church planting from the very beginning. We have been part of helping many churches get started in various ways um if you're familiar with exponential we um we're one of the founding churches with exponential church planting and about 10 years ago i started to get fearful um because i started to notice um there's something worse than not starting new churches. I've just done a whole talk on why we need to be churches that start new churches. There's something worse than us not starting new churches. And that's starting church planting movements that, that, that plant churches that become heretical in 10 years, 20 years from now. And yeah, have you ever noticed people never wander toward God People never kind of drift toward greater discipline. The drift is never toward a higher respect for the Bible. It is always away from God and toward compromise. And so you have this perfect storm of things happening where we're starting a whole bunch of churches. Now, who are the people that normally start churches? They're usually the younger people who are too stupid to know any better. Um, But they're often... People in their 20s and 30s, or maybe 30s and early 40s. Although we do have a guy that we're training right now who's like 70 years old. Wow! How old is he? The fellow in our re- residency. Oh, you're not you're not doing yeah, residencies, yeah, um, anyway. But he's 70 years old, and he's like, I have I have one good run left in me, and I'm going like, Good for you. This is wonderful. Um, but that's really rare. And so what happens is, um, you have an entrepreneur who's young. And the other thing about entrepreneurs, they love innovation. They love the next newest idea. Acts 17 really applies to them. They, they're they fascinated by the next new idea. but Well, the next new idea in our culture is rarely like Jesus is king. It's always this drift away from that. And so what we saw happening as the culture became, I mean, you know, I mean, we were, we were drifting the wrong way for a long time, and then all of a sudden, it's just like the homosexual marriage thing became legal, and um, the complementarian, egalitarian stuff became, and the social justice stuff came in, and it's just like, which again, social gospel, social justice, if they're not the same, I don't know what is, but the, um, and so we saw these, Young, and here's the, here's the other element. They love lost people. And so what do we do? We quote Paul who says, I will do anything to reach some. To the Jew, I'll become a Jew. To the Gentile, I'll become a Gentile. And they'll take that and they'll misapply it and they'll like, well, maybe we shouldn't talk so much about divorce. Maybe we shouldn't talk so much about homosexuality. Maybe the reason that homosexual people don't like the church is because of the way that the church is dealt with homosexual people in the past and I'll say no maybe because, because the apostle Paul says that we are the stench of death to the world anyway that's a whole different thing But and, and so what do they do they'll, in the name of reaching lost people they'll compromise essentials they'll compromise the clarity needed on core gospel things yeah. and so there's this drift and so what happens is you start so independent churches start independent churches and they get influenced then by others let me give you an example we started a church in the Washington DC area ten years ago vetted the couple assessed the couple Um, they did our project management stuff they promised that they were solid on biblical stuff they promised they were solid on um, on, on, on complementarian issues and male eldership and then they got influenced by others who taught egalitarianism and within I don't know how many years five years of the church they had just gone full they, they were started by complementarian churches and they had gone full-blown egalitarian. His wife is now a co-pastor with them, and they are, well, now the church is 10 years old. They're moving on to a different church. What kind of leadership do you think that they're gonna hire to replace him? Leadership that honors the doctrine taught by the churches that started them? We need Renew Movement churches because we need churches with a solid biblical foundation that provides ongoing accountability. You start a church as a Renew Movement church, you are saying two things. One is the the senior minister is committed to the doctrine that has been outlined with Renew. That doctrine that has been outlined with Renew is at the core of our identity as a church. We are committed to this biblical approach to teaching. Not only that, then you have the the, the senior minister to that, but then the elders who come on later, they have to say, we are are committed to Renew doctrine. Um, By the way, what happens in new churches often is (laughs) You know, after four or five years, they'll 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 have their first eldership develop, um, and often those <coughs> elders come from who knows whatever kind of background. You know, maybe it's a strong Calvinistic background, or maybe it's a, just a really worldly background, or whatever. And then they're making these decisions, and they don't have the unity that comes on. With, with, through the sanctifying work of scripture. Um, and so starting as a renewed church gives a foundation and accountability. Can you say we're not going to be a renewed church anymore? Sure, but you actually have to work against what you've established as your identity. Second, it's the best way for us to build renewed movement. How, how does a church become a renewed church right now? Do, how many churches actually would say our church identifies as the renewed, we're part of the renewed fellowship of churches? By the way, if I can pull an aside here, I know I'm, I'm Christian Church, I'm Thomas Campbell, Alexander Campbell, and you're like, wait a second, no creeds but Christ! Are you saying that we're going to have these creeds now? If we're Thomas Campbell, that is, that is, in a, that is a, a, a bastardization of what Thomas Campbell said. Thomas Campbell and Declaration of Address, when he said no creeds but Christ, he said we shouldn't elevate those creeds to scriptural level. We shouldn't make them tests of fellowship where we say if you don't agree with these things, you're lost. But he did say creeds can be useful. That's what we do with Renew. That's what the Renew um, doctrine is, is about. And it is useful for establishing an identity in the church And then, as you're starting churches, so this is what I was saying, how are you you affiliated with Renew? Well, maybe it's the senior minister who says, I agree with Renew doctrine. Does that mean the church is? Not necessarily. How does the church become? Well, somehow the elders would have to go through some process to say, we we would identify Renew doctrine, we align with Renew doctrine. That's kind of a tough process. There aren't a lot of churches that are probably going to go through that. You start churches as renewed new churches. Their identity from the very beginning is with this doctrine. And the second thing that Bobby said today was, and then there's a tribe for that church. So when the young minister is going through, and I can tell you stories about churches that are going through this and ministers are going they're going through the pressure from others to compromise they have a tribe to go through, go to, to say, "Hey, help me deal with this. How would you respond to this? Give me wisdom on this. Why do I really believe this?" And there's a foundation then. So, uh, renew movement is important. Why be a part of it? First of all, because it gives us a solid biblical foundation for long-term health. Okay, all that I've just said so far, renew movements give a solid biblical foundation for long-term health. The second thing that you need in effective church planting is you need effective strategies. You need effective processes. Um, In the church planting world, some organizations say that up to 70% of their church plants don't make it. Um, There are, um, uh, the, the Southern Baptists are Thrilled that they can say they have a thirty um, uh, percent failure rate. Okay, so imagine putting a couple of hundred thousand dollars into a church plant and have it go belly up. It's a risk that we take, but the best investment is going to be to start churches that are founded on biblical doctrine but also have smart strategies for starting. And so that's why the second part of it, this proven foundation of strategies, is is what we use um, called um, uh, with our passion for planting resources. My point here is not to to give an advertisement, but to understand Renew Movement is going to have the best of both um passion for planting churches uh, we have about a 15 percent failure rate. So if a church starts using passion for planting resources, you have a 85 percent chance for success by the way, um, there's another statistic that says there's one in 10 new churches that is a hundred that reaches a hundred by four years and then is healthy most don't. Um, So um, let me tell you a little bit about our story. Passion for Planting grew out of the fact that when New Life got started, I not only was confident I didn't have the right answers to the questions, I was also confident I didn't have the right questions. Where do you, if you're starting a church, how do you know you're asking the right questions? How do you know you're following the right processes? How do you know that you're not going to sabotage yourself just because of being ignorant? So when we'd started, two, we'd started two churches, and Todd Wilson came on staff, who was a nuclear engineer before that, at, at that point, And he says, Brett, so what was the plan to start New Life? And I had basically post-it notes on a whiteboard that wasn't very impressive to a nuclear engineer who designed Los Angeles class submarines. And so he was like, okay. So for two days, we sat in my basement and said, let's think of all the questions that have to be answered if you're going to start a church. And we came up with about 600 questions. Since then, Todd has said, if you build a house, there are basically 600 steps that you have to go through. If you build a church, basically 600 steps you have to go through. We narrowed that down to 400 and some, put it into a project management tool. And this is what we walk church planters through. We don't give all of the answers, but we do say these are the questions that you have to answer. Some of the work we can do. Because we've done it a million times, you don't have to come up with your own uh, incorporation documents or whatever. Um, But we will walk you through this. What does that do? That that, that, That helps the minister not live in ignorance. But there's this confidence of, oh, okay, and so this is what I need to do by this time. We put it on a time frame. Not only does that help the minister know what he's doing, and we have a project manager who's walking that person through it, but the organization that's planting the church. Let's say you have five churches come together to start a church. We're going to talk about what it means to start as a network in a second. But let's say you have five churches coming together. Most church planting organizations don't know what the church planter is doing. When we first put this together, we talked to church planting organizations and said, do you think you'd find this helpful? By the way, nobody else is doing this. You can't find this anywhere else, the, the way that we're doing it. Um, but the. Um, um, I'll give you one more advertisement. Six churches were started. Six Christian churches were started in Florida before COVID. Only one still exists. Um, and that was a, that's a church. That's a patchful planting church. Um, but the, um, Pat, where was I? You weren't listening either? The, uh, the networks don't know what's going on. Anymore. Oh, yeah. And so, and so they, would this be helpful to say, yeah, so what we can do is, thank you, you've done this a few times. Patrick Bradley over here is going to be talking at our lunch, if not right now, uh, has personally been project manager for about 150 churches in the last 14 years nobody else in the united states has done nobody else anywhere has done what patrick has done in working these working churches through this kind of thing but what the, what it does is it it the as we project manage it gives a report to the church planter to say this is these are where you're, you should this is where you should be this is the timeline you're ahead on this you're behind on this and there's an accountability structure then to the organizing Churches to be able to say, and this is where your church planter is. So there's a healthy not only process but a healthy accountability to get people moving forward. Um, I don't want to bore y'all to tears with this stuff, but it is um, it's it's really significant. There are four things that we find essential for a healthy church plant, For uh, essential for the process, first, every church planter should be assessed. It, are they really called? Are they ready? Second they need training. That's why we do boot camps and we do a a 10-month residency cohort They need project management somehow and by the way we make um, We make the project management tool available for free online Um, every It's been used to start churches in every continent in the world other than Antarctica if we could have a volunteer to start a church in Antarctica We would really like to put that as part of our accomplishments um, and then coaching, ongoing coaching, all right? So how then, some of you are saying, how do you start a church? And how do we start a movement? Can you imagine starting, a tr- being part of a church plant? Can you imagine being a part of starting 30 churches a year? What about starting 100 churches a year? See, the vision for Renew Movements is not just planting healthy churches that are healthy long term, but churches that plant churches that plant churches. And so you have an exponential effect where these churches are starting churches together. Can I state the obvious? The key to church planting movements is not mega churches. The key is unleashing the ordinary church. I grew up in a church that's 200, 300 people. They would like to start churches, but how are they gonna start a church with just 200, 300 people themselves. But if they can be a part of a church, so we put networks together of four or five churches that together work to plant a church, and then those churches, then that church that's planted, they then become part of a church plant in the future. To talk about that, uh, Pat, we're gonna have you share. How much time did I give you? Did I give you any time? A few minutes. Okay, so
3: Pat Ferguson, who's been a part of a whole bunch of if we'd come prepared, I'd have two clipboards and two pens. If you want more information about what we're doing, just jot down your name and email address, and we'll we'll get you more information. Um, Brett already touched on this a little bit um, in various ways, um, but I want to share just a couple benefits to network planting and how we do it um the the first thing i just want to mention is what are the big challenges to church planning Um, logistically speaking there's spiritual challenges there's lots of challenges but in terms of logistics which is where patrick and i tend to live um, it's funding and finding qualified planners um, bringing four or more churches together to plant churches um, really help solve both of those things the funding stream is increased as more churches participate the small church that brett mentioned um, is able to be a part and bring a smaller amount uh, to the table but be part of church planning instead of you know, sitting there on the sidelines like well we don't have enough to be able to plan a church so i guess we can't be a part it allows every church to be a part and it broadens the pipeline of finding church planters um, by giving us more churches to pull from to look for candidates um, to raise planters up um, meanwhile the church plan itself has a lot of benefits from uh, planning inside of a network is instead of just having one mother church they'll so have four or five or six moms um, each one bringing different skills uh, different wisdom, um, different strong ministries. You know, one might have a fantastic children's ministry, one has a fantastic teaching pastor, one has a fantastic student ministry, whatever, and they get the benefits of learning from the best of each of the moms, um, which is great. And the network churches get to be part of more church plants, whether it's the small church that wasn't able to be part at all before this gets to be a part, but even the larger churches um, you know, new Life, we might be able to you know, fully fund one plant a year. Um, instead, we get to be a part of four or five church plants a year and learn back and get the positive feedback from the churches. Um, I don't have time to unpack that, but working with church plants really feeds back in an amazing way to the mother churches as well. Um, so how do the finances work? Um, in a nutshell, um, we ask each church plant, and this is typical and different networks will function a little bit different. Um, But each church typically commits about $50,000 over a three-year period, and that works out to $16,667 a year for those not as good at math, Um, which, again, almost any church can participate with a $16,000 a year commitment to this. Um, Typically, the finances are intended to cover one year pre-launch and two years post-launch. Um, That's how we divide that out. We find that churches that have a sense of urgency to become self-sufficient after three years do much better and launch stronger and they get self-sufficient and they move on, um, which is fantastic. And then they're able to start contributing to the future networks. We had one church plant became self-sufficient after year one, so it was two years of funding and immediately started funding into new church plants, which was amazing. Um, Usually the church planner also raises money. Often that would be a matching $200,000. So in a typical network, if we have four churches with $50,000, the church planner raises $200,000, that gives a total budget of $400,000. If you are in a city or expensive urban area or something like that, we just add to the number of churches. Um, That's why sometimes we have five or six plant um, or mother church um, networks. Um, we typically require about a third of the dollars to be in hand prior to bringing on the church planner. We might have identified a church planner before them, but we want to see a certain amount of money already in the bank, ready to go before they they hit the ground running. Um, from a leadership standpoint, sorry, you want to go ahead. What's that? You just cut us off. So we need to wrap up. So if you want to find out more, um, we're going to be over at the P4P booth. Uh, grab your lunch box. Come over there, and we will share more there about how it works.
2: Yeah, let me close just with prayer and say, um, yeah, there's, there's lots more detail. And, and Passion for Planting Booth will be there the whole week, too. Or the whole, the, today, the whole day. Let's pray. Um, Heavenly Father, I pray that you would start something among us that honors you and is more than we can see yes give us a heart for lost people give us a trust to follow your leading and may your holy spirit do your work in your way for your glory through christ we pray amen amen amen
0: You've just heard from Brett Andrews and Pat Ferguson. Pat is Brett's executive minister there at New Life Christian Church. Both of those guys are involved with Passion for Planting, and both of them will be speaking into Renew Movement, a movement of churches that plant churches. If you or your church have any interest in planting churches and want more information about Renew Movement, you can contact us at info at renew.org. That's I-N-F-O at renew.org. As always, this is Jason, and I just want to say thanks for joining us on another real life theology podcast.